Welcome to the HyperGuap Podcast, episode 10. This is a big one. Um, Aiden's HyperGuap light is not working, so please forgive us all. Other than that, Aiden, how are you doing today? Besides for the fact that we've spent the last 10 minutes trying to get my light working, um, I'm pretty stoked because when we did episode one, we said we'd reevaluate when we got to episode 10. I'm having a ton of fun with it. And um, okay, instead of just reminiscing about how fun the podcast is, has been, though, I think we should hop into the most immediate vc slash pe slash investment fund news of the day week maybe year which is that kim k is opening a private equity firm um which i think maybe just seems like oh like of course like kim kardashian's doing something like this but i feel like it's a much bigger uh moment in a trend that we've been witnessing and we already wanted to talk about how the venture industry was changing going from like these old school vcs who raise money from boring people and endowments who invest in companies to like the spv model the individual angel investor born on the internet and now how celebrities the sort of next wave of that is celebrities athletes rock stars pop stars everybody wants to be a vc and why is that happening and why are the worlds of culture and business meeting in the startup world and I think that's such a dope conversation um, to kick off. So, so I, I would. So, what do you, do you think? This is a good trend, like seeing all these celebrities get into venture capital. Like, do you think this is good for the ecosystem, good for startups, or are we going to see like a lot of bad companies get funded because there's like these aren't like your typical like investors. These are like celebrities. These are influencers. Or do you think this is going to create more awareness about kind of the VC industry, about financial literacy, and it's going to kind of have like a net positive? on kind of how we think about the engine of kind of like company creation in America. I mean, I think it's the free market saying that these individuals have a lot more value as investor and shareholders than the average person. And that capital is not capital that's commoditized, that who your capital comes from and who they are and what their intentions are and what they plan on doing with that relationship with the company is extremely important. And so to me, it's like the free market is realizing that people like Kim Kardashian are so much more valuable as investors than just some random Joe Schmo. And so this to me is like a natural progression that is just like laws of physics, kind of like financial laws of physics. Like Kim Kardashian has more clout, can get you hundreds of millions of marketing exposure with a tweet or a Instagram post or whatever. And so she's more valuable than someone who can't do that. That's just math. And that's where the founders are going to gravitate towards who have that leverage but on the flip side of course more dumb companies could get funded i would argue that's already been happening because we've had the rise of like meme vcs which i think were unfortunately lumped into the category of maybe but we're really not like i i blew up because we invested in tesla and it was like i invested in tesla and tesla stock went up 20x that was like a financial gain that led to my audience like i don't really do memes and then we raised the VC fund doing startups. But I think a lot of the meme investors, it wasn't like their investments were great. It was just like they were doing a lot of memes and got a lot of followers for that. And then they raised funds. And I think they were that was a big part of this bubbling of overvalued startups that we just saw. And I think those are like those are gonna be worse investors than the Kim K's. Are these like founders who are building like the next gen like consumer company or social app, are they gonna seek out Kim K? as like their lead investor because of the clout that she brings with her her following or are they going to look for someone like or maybe it's a compliment you get kim k to help with the reach and then you get like a16c or someone to help with the strategy and maybe it's just like another pillar of the ecosystem or is like it, it, or do you see a future where it's like these kind of influencers are phenomenal investors that can help with strategy and influence um 
And I think, yeah, that's like, because I, I do think like the, the, the great online game that kind of Packy wrote an article about, like these, your follower count is in some ways worth more than capital, right? Like in like that combination of the two is what people look for when they, they're looking to build something, someone that can provide reach, like distribution, and then, and then capital. Well, it's also important to mention that Kim Case thing is technically a private equity firm, but I think it's still like just talking about broader as the metaphor of like celebrities being VCs, I think it's still holding up um but it's interesting what kim kardashian's doing to set up a private equity firm because i feel like her strategy instead of like what we've seen now which is maybe the first phase of the relationship where it's like okay the celebrities are just there to promote like they're not the business brains just like invest and start tweeting about us and that'll be like the relationship I, to me i feel like the private equity and it's like scattered across many companies with venture capital the, to me private equity signals like a deeper like we're gonna buy this brand that has potential that just doesn't know what they're doing and instead of just helping them do what they do and like be along for the ride we're gonna be putting ourselves in the driver's seat and so um i actually think that one of the biggest misconceptions is that like kim someone like kim kardashian like doesn't know what they're doing from a strategy perspective i think these like creators and like celebrities like especially if they're self-made like they are the best in the world at marketing strategy and business strategy and how many brands has she launched with how many billions in sales that is way more than almost every entrepreneur we talk to has. So I think like, um, if anything, the job of being a VC was, and it was very dominated by like the sort of like old boys club because it was just about who, you know, like, it's just about getting into deals. There's actually not that much like thought, like they try and make this whole thought leadership. Like you have to be a genius to be a VC game when it's really just about like connections and getting into the deals. Um, and just like getting access to the deals, and then just writing the check and being the money. So I think that I well, see think, like this. Do you yeah. think it's just applies to consumer though? For these celebrity VCs, or can, can it also apply to like deep tech where there's like like a very technical aspect of the business? The lines are kind of blurred because like Neuralink's deep tech, but it's consumer. SpaceX is deep tech, but it's consumer because it's like we're going to Mars. Starlink is like changing this. So in some ways everything's consumer because everything touches humans and we're all humans living on the planet. So that's whether it's like a couple layers deeper. Um, but what I was also going to think is like in terms of like these these celebrities adding value and kind of like taking charge i see them being like more on the business side of the startups um and like having their own ideas but i i agree with you that these are some of the best people in the game like kim k has founded like multiple billion dollar businesses oh the guys from like animal capital who made money who were TikTok influencers and then started their own vc fund or or logan paul or like Serena Williams, like these people build up these independent brands on their own. And then, I mean, they're like top tier people and then they can spin that into just like that similar kind of strategy and business making connections and deal to support portfolio companies. And why could they not be just as good as anyone else like who just has an investing background that came from Harvard, that got an MBA, you know, like these people you would think would definitely be better than them. So yeah, I think it's like an interesting trend of VC. Celebrities are becoming VCs and VCs are, want to become celebrities. And this nexus of like capital, like frontier innovation, culture. And they can really manifest it like ever before, because before you were just giving somebody capital, maybe giving them strategy or an accountant or a lawyer, but now being able to manifest spreading the word about a product is so big. And I think that speaks to like this broader trend in VC. 
um, which is like, okay, what was VC? Like you kind of raise money from this group of anonymous investors who want exposure to startups. And then you start investing in these startups. And it like, this is a very recent industry that's developed, you know, maybe like 50 years ago. And then you require like the IPO markets to sort of catch up. And then with the internet, I feel like it really boomed where companies could be created so quickly and get so much value and scale so quickly leveraging the internet to connect everybody that it created this new need for like, okay, like let's not wait to get profitable. Let's grow a business insanely quickly. Like VC is really, uh, you know, when you start a company, if you're opening like a shop that sells shoes in the old days in your town, like you didn't, you just got like one loan and opened the shop and then that was it. And then the shop made money and you paid off your loan. There wasn't like, we're going to open shops in every city in the world instantly and become this like global phenomena. And that's why we need all this capital up front. And so but so the world kind of changed and then VC became this industry and it's funding it. And then I think more and more people are realizing, I don't know if we've kind of over indexed that like everybody starting a company thinks they need to be VC backed when they really shouldn't be. Um, but I think now we're in this new world where we played in to start out with like the SPV model. So it's like originally you had all these startup like or, or funds, they raise all this money up front and then they start deploying it. Um, and like, if you're a, if you're an investor, you don't know what money your deal's going into. Like, you're just relying on the manager. You're not like picking a startup. So that's like anonymized capital is what I call it. And then we this whole wave of like non-anonymized capital, which started with SPVs, which is like the crazy legal. I'm just, I'm getting a little background here, but like like legal innovation of essentially a special purpose vehicle. That's what SPV stands for, to allow someone to just set up a way to basically crowdfund from accredited investors and write a check and not have a fund. And then those investors are not anonymized. They actually pick that company. And so that like the combination of like internet platforms like AngelList and Carta to create SPVs and then all these people interested in startup investing has created like this radical new player in the VC ecosystem of like SPVs. And I know like what I did, YouTuber starting on my own SPV thing, like that's just popping up all over, whether it's Twitter person newsletter person starting their own VC and syndicate and they're and they all have followings and so that's their edge when they're like yeah I'm not Andreessen but I have a hundred thousand Twitter followers so like you should let me in for a super tiny check and everyone's like wait this actually makes a ton of sense and then more and more they're like why do, and then you know you have to think somebody like Kim K or like Serena Williams they're just getting pitched more and more to like invest in these companies to work with VCs and like everyone's and then eventually they're like wait I should just start my own firm um, and then they're like the sort of furthest evolution of these SPV investors because um, they can like add the most value. Um, I don't know. So it's really interesting what's happening. I feel like the talent's gravitating towards the capital. Like you see all these college athletes that were underpaid forever, like sports athletes that are underpaid, creators that were underpaid, like Casey Neistat for like what he did for Boosted Board or something like they maybe get a check for five grand to make a video, but they weren't getting equity. And so I think that is like a huge change where like creators want to get paid in equity, not just cash. And then the furthest evolution of that is like, wait, we don't even want to just get paid in equity. We actually want to like buy the equity with outside capital and like deploy it. And so um, if I was like a traditional VC right now, I'd be like, oh my God, we're screwed. Like this two and 20 model is not going to last. Like if we don't have a Twitter, we're a nobody. Like it's, it's kind of crazy how fast it's all shifted. What's interesting though is like SPVs, like special purpose vehicles, aren't a new thing, right? Like they've been around for many years, but it's really software that's made them a lot more scalable. And then the internet, like you're saying, for you with hyperchange to be able to 
to say to your following, hey, I'm going to be investing in private companies. If you want to invest alongside me and get some of the deal flow that I'm seeing, you can join me. So, I mean, SPVs were happening for, for, I mean, this isn't like a new legal structure that was like invented recently, but just the, the advent of these platforms to make it easier. I mean, just with a few clicks of a button, you can like spin up an LLC, a bank account, Anyone can wire like funds and improve accreditation, and you can wire to a money uh, to a startup and like, get capital in that company. Like this is like pretty profound. How like you and I do it now in like two weeks from like telling the founder that we're interested in investing to like wiring them guap, getting hundreds of people to look at the deal, get the information that they need, make their own investment decision. Like the fact that capital can flow from people all across the internet to founders that are on the front lines of building entire new industries that are critical for, for our future, fighting climate change or defense or education or energy, whatever it is, this is a huge unlock in the way that we're able to produce innovation. And I think the ripple effects we're in the very early innings of. Like I think people are thinking of AngelList and SPVs as this, oh, it's this kind of like short-term phenomenon. Like, is this really going to be, no, like, I think this is here to stay to your point, like celebrities becoming like venture capitalists, like anyone with a brand becoming a VC and a following people pooling money together, getting equity. Like this is the new kind of world that we're living in. And I, like from, even when we started doing SPVs three or four years ago, like with Space Filchi, our, where we invested in SpaceX, like that was only two and a half years ago, maybe even less. And I think it cost us four, like maybe 40 grand to set it up. And like all this paperwork, it was horrible UI. Now we do it for four grand or something. And it's like way, like, it's just like, even in two years, that way, how easier it's gotten with the software has been mind boggling um, with the SPVs. Like it's, it's crazy. And, and also the co really cool part is like, not even that, but like the minimum check size went from like 50K to like 1K. And this has been around. I'm just saying my personal experience, like navigating the world, like, and now it's like, wait, we can launch an SPV and you could invest a thousand dollars. So I think that's super cool for the little person to be like, wait, it was so hard to invest in startups. Like I maybe have 10 or 50, like I have, maybe you're just out of a couple of years out of school. You have 50, 60, maybe a hundred grand in savings. You're investing in the stock market and you're like, wait, I want to put 10 grand into a high risk um, like bucket of startups, but it's like, I don't want to do all the paperwork and just write one 10 grand check. I'm not, I probably can't even write a 10 grand check. It's not even the minimum, but now with SPVs, we do a minimum of a thousand dollar check. So with 10,000 bucks, you can invest in 10 different startups. And I just think that makes it so much more accessible. And then where this eventually goes is we're like seeing this blurring of the world of SPVs and IPOs, like what we're really talking about is just liquidity in the secondary markets and like the SPAC process, the way that made it so much easier to IPO and a lot of their more bullshit. And I think like investors will hopefully get, get wiser, but the process of making it easier to IPO is incredible. And I think like when we talk about even today, like founders like, oh, what's our exit strategy? It used to just be get acquired by some other huge company and pay us all out or IPO and then we all cash out. I think there's this new middle ground of a IPOing is getting easier and the bar is getting lower. B like these secondary markets like Carta or AngelList are building like liquidity essentially, and the SPVs are the start of that liquidity. That's like when you say like this isn't going away. Like I'm like yeah, this is just the like first thing we're seeing of like the increasing liquidity. And I think if you're like a hundred million dollar market cap company, your like equity should be trading pretty freely in the future. Um, and we're just kind of in like this big moment to get there, it feels like.
So how do you think about the fact that there's now all these VC funds popping up? There's the term like VC bros of people just spending up SPVs, like everyone's doing it now. You're like the meme investor, celebrity investor. Are we going to see like a lot of backlash from this where there's like a lot of companies that were just like getting checks because there was hype and then there's going to be like no business execution and a lot of investors are going to get burned. Like now that there's so much liquidity and it's so easy, are, have we have yet to see kind of unsophisticated investors getting in, not having all the information like they would typically have in like the public market? All you kind of have is, you know, just that this uh, syndicate lead is investing. Like it is like a, a very different type of market that has less liquidity. Yeah, I just I just wonder what the, the learning curve and hurdles are going to be and how that like we can better kind of create a more sophisticated investor base that can allocate capital to like the right companies. And, and maybe that's just the market self-correcting over time. But I do think that, I mean, personally, I feel like I see a lot of things getting funded. And I think and a lot of people raising money that I'm, I kind of question, like, is this just like a very capital rich environment? Like there's going to be, it feels like a reality check, which is what, what we've been feeling over the last year. But I'm not even sure if that's kind of over yet. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, some of the things I'm thinking about, um, with the rise of this trend It has lots of positives, but I think there's going to be some speed bumps along the way. Well, I think this first like recession kind of thing that we're in right now has been a great reality check. And like a lot of our LPs are first time LPs. So I think they get like, we try and do investor updates. So we did like video updates for all our SPVs privately for all the people that invested and the more and more it's, you're thinking about it, it's like, wait, these people are expecting like an investor update every, you know, six months. Like they, they want to know what's happening. Like, I feel like we, and we deal with a lot of people who are messed in public companies and now they're going to private for the first time. So we see these learning curves and it's like, yeah, like you don't get investor updates. Like it goes from quarterly SEC filings to literally nothing. It's like one is way too burdensome. The other is not burdensome enough. And so you, it's like a huge learning curve. And I think you don't have liquidity for 10 years, nine out of 10 startups fail. Like it looks easy. And I think what you're saying about VC bros crushing it on Twitter and that whole thing, I think it looks, it's like Instagram versus reality. Like everyone makes it look dope, but it's actually like, there's not that many people doing it. And there's very, even way fewer people succeeding. Like, yeah, maybe you have a couple dozen people that are in our category of like the new startup internet got blew up on the internet, raised a 10 mil, 20 mil VC firm. Ours is eight mil. So, but you see a lot of these and, um, but I don't, I still think that's only a couple dozen and that's still like a drop in the bucket. And that's the easy part. Okay. You raise 15 mil. Now you got to turn that into 150 mil. That's the hard part. Like, so I think we're still early in that, but also like there's, it's just easy to get FOMO'd on Twitter. Like, I think that's what happened when the board apes and, and NFTs were on Twitter. Like everyone just sees it and is like, How, I'm not getting rich. Everyone's getting rich. And it's just like 10 people who bought the board apes that like, Twitter's algorithm pushes to the top. Like nobody's tweeting like about the money they lost. Nobody's tweeting about when their VC didn't re like, they'll be like, I'm thrilled to and humbled and honored to announce we've raised 10 million. Like they don't follow up in four years saying like our IRR was negative 12%. You know, nobody tweets that. So it's like selection bias of the winners. So, um, but it's like when we had GameStop and AMC and that brought all these new retail investors into the market a couple of years ago. Like it sucked because a lot of them got screwed because they didn't know what they were doing and lost a ton of money buying in these peak bubble stocks with no d due diligence. But then they started to learn. And I think that's how you get into the market. Like you learn all, like you invest in five startups, they all fail. And you're like, this is all bullshit. And then like, by the time you do your six startup investment, you're like very shrewd and prudent and like 
thoughtful and like you get better at it and everything gets better so i think we're in this like growing phase now of like people getting ushered into venture there'll be a tough learning like it was a little got too hyped and then there's a learning curve and then they were like at the end of the day it's good because more people came into the ecosystem there's more liquidity yeah right like yeah i think it's yeah there's going to be this learning curve like people put a lot of money in they might lose some money but they got smarter and now we have like a lot more participants in this startup ecosystem which means a lot more companies are going to get funded a lot different types of founders are going to be getting funded it's going to be out traditionally too like and this is actually like a very new trend like most financings like were done in like a handful of cities right like you like you went to sand hill road you went to san francisco you went to boston you know like there there was not a ton of ecosystems for people to go you would go in person you would raise money and all this really changed like during the pandemic and that's when things like capital became like hyper accelerated when capital is moving so quickly people are doing zoom calls and closing deals like and, and then that's kind of help the ecosystem move forward, kind of spread it into the cloud as people have been talking about. But then because of that, there was a lot of bad stuff getting funded. There's kind of overvaluations. You had the reality check that we're kind of living through now. But I think what's interesting is I still feel like, like, and you and I talk about this all the time, like there's a disconnect because, I mean, you look at most public like companies that are doing like hundreds of millions in revenue. I think we talked about this in the last episode or a few billion, like they're only valued at like several billion. Yeah. It depends on the margins and the type of business, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's still funny to see companies going out and raising like a seed around at like a 40 to $50 million valuation or something. And you're like, okay, like even if everything goes perfect, you know, like you, you, it's, it's not like the, the game is extremely difficult, like to generate serious returns in venture capital that have a public market outcome that then like crush it. Like very few companies end up making it to the public markets and then being able to withhold like a, like evaluation. So I think there's definitely a lot, a lot of kind of naivete that's pushing the market forward and there's going to be this reality check. Um, but I do think that it's exciting because this old venture capital industry that started around kind of defense in California and like these, just a handful of firms that were like getting very involved with companies and, and to now to where the ecosystem is today, where anyone can be a VC, can LP into a fund, can LP into a syndicate. Uh, it's, you can set up an RUV and raise money as a founder online. Like it, it, there's just, there's so much momentum for the industry. So that's like my, my favorite part It's like a lot more companies are going to be getting funded and that's good for innovation. Well, yeah, I think we're kind of in like a, a golden era of VC right now and especially SPVs, especially for like the little investor, because it seems like there's just this moment where the accredited investor laws exist. And that's kind of like the elephant in the room. Like you have to be a creditor, you can't invest in startups. And so that's like shrunk in the pool of who actually has access to this stuff. Um, and now there's all these syndicates popping up. And so if you're an individual investor, like I would say the the startup deal flow you can get is insane. And especially right now, because what we were seeing is like, I, and this is why I'm so hyped on our, what we're doing with our fund right now, because it's like so hard to get into these incredible deals, especially when you said there's way too much capital in the system. But now the like capital step back, everyone's freaking out. I personally kind of think it's like the wimps who like were just here because of FOMO and not the FOMO has gone. They leave and they're like, well, we don't want to invest. Like, but I think 
and so these top tier deals we've been able to squeeze into because like there's a little bit more window of time and we've also been able to get SPVs when we normally wouldn't. So we can like negotiate um, with a founder like we want to put in 100 grand from our fund. We want to try and raise another 100 or 200 grand SPV. Um, and they're like, sure. And so that's our our like formula for uh founders and then all like we're getting as i don't think we would be getting spvs into half the companies we are now if the the markets were normal and they would just be filling it up instantly and they're like we don't have time for this but now there's like the moment where all these spvs have allocation in these incredible companies and if you're a lp or or you're as part of these syndicate groups you can invest just a thousand dollars in them and get into literally like a tier vc deals with a minimum investment of a thousand dollars so i think that's like um, I'm obviously I'm biased, but I think our SPV syndicate is so awesome and people can join it if they're accredited on AngelList because it's like you literally see, even if you just want to learn and just see the deals we do, you can see the deals we do. You got to be a part of the syndicate. You got to learn. You got to learn about all these cool companies and then you can invest in them and build your portfolio the way you pick and choose. And I'm like, I just don't see this lasting that long. Like, I think it's going to get way more open. The accredited investor laws are going to change. Like SPVs are going to get more competitive. Um, or like they won't happen at all because rounds are going to move quickly when the market turns back. But I think we're in this like window moment right now. That's so, so special. And like, you see, I don't know. I, I keep getting reminded of this tweet. That's like, I saw this founder putting one K into every SPV and doing like 3 million a week. It's like a tweet. So it's probably getting exaggerated, but it's like this dude's getting 20% carry on 3 million a week. Like that's insane. That's insane. And that's very few people, but and it's it's great for founders too. Like I just went, was talking with a founder the other day, and they actually wanted to get like an SPV in to like create kind of a community of retail investors that would be involved with the deal. And I think for funds, they're starting to realize, oh, maybe it's strategic for us to let in HyperGuap. You know, like they have distribution with the media channel. They could get a bunch of retail investors involved who can help spread the word and kind of strengthen numbers. And I think that it's like the SPV model. And these like influencers are becoming like a like a real pillar in the ecosystem, just like the way that like strategic funds, like a Toyota Ventures or a, a big real estate company starts a venture fund, like that was like an ad maybe to the VC ecosystem like three to five years ago. Um, I think that these yeah these influencers are more of like a recent ad to the ecosystem, and you kind of need like all these different things help support founders and companies and things being built in the world and you can't just have your kind of VC who might have strategic and business development and, and customer experience, but you, you might need like a retail investor who has a media distribution arm. You might need to work with a corporate VC that can help you with certain side of the business and all these things can come together to best support a founder. So I, I think this is just really bullish for innovation overall. And it's a really exciting time because it gets more participants in the ecosystem. One of my favorite like ways to think about it is guap adjusted clout so someone like a16z has a ton of clout but they're going to want to put like 10 million into their company so hyper guap maybe we have one one hundredth the clout but we're putting in one one hundredth of the capital we're putting in 100k so you and that scales down to the little investor so if you're a little investor and you're only putting in a thousand bucks well guess what you're a hundred times less than us so your bar for like clout adjusted guap adjusted clout you could be just there up as A16Z because if they take a million checks from people with a thousand bucks, that's just as good or whatever because you all have Twitter following. So I think that's one of the power laws that is coming in that I think is so cool where it's like these VCs are so big and they're kind of too like 
I think what's really happened, like I'm getting into these rounds and we're like squeezing in and everyone's like, oh, of we love to have you in. Like your check is so tiny. Like we can easily squeeze that in. And like, you're offering us this awesome exposure. Like I'm Googling all the Twitter followings of all our biggest competitor VC firms. And I'm like, they're literally writing you a hundred X bigger check with like triple the amount of Twitter followers. So if you adjust that, like we have 33, our, our cloud adjusted guap is 33 X higher per dollar. You know, and it's like, oh my God. So I, and I still think we're so early in that trickle of like, actually like, and that's a big advantage for us is we're so small and we wanted to keep our first fund small because that we're just like, we're like an easy sell to every founder. It's like, bro, like maybe I'm not worth a mil, but I'm definitely worth a hundred K like, and our, our syndicates worth another hundred K. And so I feel like that is such a cool moment that we're having. And then you look at Kim K and she's cloud adjusted, her cloud adjusted guap is her clout's so high, it doesn't even matter. She's putting in a billion. It's still worth it. So, um, but like to me, if you're going to be the size of A16Z, A16Z has almost become the Kim K of venture and their own. Like they just have so much clout that like they are worth it as a brand um, to justify their $10 million investment. But a lot of these other ones who are a little bit older, who don't have Twitter presences, who are a little bit more, you know, Bain or something boring. I don't even know about Bain. I'm just, that's what came to mind. But um, so I think like, when I'm a founder, I think the biggest metric I'm going to, that's going to be like the, the biggest thing people are going to be focused on. And we're still like so early in that shift. Like it almost like takes founders a while to be like, um, and then like, we're starting to have founders on our podcast, which is so fun. And then, then I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, who else? Like you're talking to all these VCs who you think are cooler than us, but like none of them have even have a Twitter and none of them even have a podcast. Like, why the hell are we giving them allocation on the cap table? Like, and they're trying to like squidgel down the valuation with you, even though it's like they have no, like, I don't know. So I still think as much as it seems like the industry shifted and all the like clout has gone, I still feel like there's such a big like pendulum moment to happen. And eventually, like, I already think we should be doing this when you apply, you're going to have to apply to invest in a company. Like you can't just invest, you have to apply and you're going to have your number one stats going to be like Instagram followers, Twitter followers, YouTube followers, um, or whatever. And, and like and, why you're relevant for the specific deal, you know, like something that we love when we like send out a syndicate deals when people say like, oh, I have experience in supply chain. So then we can go to the founders and say, look at these people that we got into the SPV. Like they might be able to help you get a customer one day, or they have an experience in batteries and they might be able to help with how you think about like putting your battery in the RV, you know, like these are like huge value adds and like us getting to understand our LP base and the network better and then supporting founders with that. Like that's like a, that's a huge value add. And I love the cloud adjusted capital. I feel like that's like a term that should be on par with the burn multiple, which David Sachs has put out there, which is how much money does it cost to get you new ARR? Um, which is a really good metric to figure out. Like if you're burning a ton of money to get new revenue, like the, the business model is not sustainable, but I wanted to like jump back a few steps because you you mentioned the power law and the power law is like a term used a lot in VC where it's like a f one or two of your companies will generate outsized returns that will s return like the entire fund 10 or 20 times over. And VC is the business of looking for those outsized returns and the rest of the companies will like probably fail, but you push back against this. Yeah, you I was already going to say I have a hot take on that. So you, you say that this idea of throwing darts against the board and 
looking for outsized returns is kind of an old model. Like, can you elaborate more on kind of how you're thinking about maybe more like a different approach to the startup investing? And I, I think it's like when you look in the rear view mirror, you have like clarity, right? So you're like, oh, what's the dopest funds that performed the best in the past? They had all these failures and then a couple winners. Is that the model of how VC funds have high RRR in the future? Or is that just what shook out with these first funds because they invested in social media companies that were a hit or miss and they instantly scaled to like this massive thing and that generated the return? And was that an era when it was incredibly hard to IPO? And so... You, didn't, you only had these mega IPOs, and that was the only way you got liquidity. Like, I just think that was, like, a, a way of – it was just, like, that's what happened, but it's not the only path forward. And I see these companies like AngelList and Carta, like, giving so much liquidity to the secondary markets um, that I think – like, when I think about HyperGwap, I'm like, I want to have a high batting average. Like, I don't think 9 out of 10 – obviously, it's like, 9 out of 10 startups fail, but I just think that's, like, VCs in the past just – that was their that was like their batting average but i think going forward like i hope we have a much higher thing and i don't think it's about as many home runs and i think people think too much about the home run like we over index the home run and the bottom line is like there's not it's really hard to get a company that hits like a hundred billion dollars like jason calacanis is like the most famous angel investor like he invested in uber and was like like there's not going to be many companies that you get a check in at five mil and then they hit a hundred bill when they IPO and that's Uber. There's like one every 10 years and there's one angel investor. And then everybody thinks that's what happens to everybody. But like really I, what I think is like a diversified bet on these companies that are building real businesses. Like, you know, we're not like when you think about social media and Chris Saka and these people who hit their first home run funds, it was Twitter, it was Instagram. It was companies that don't make money until everyone in the world is using our product. And then we're actually a real business, but all the stuff we're investing in, it's like, wait like half the companies we're investing in now we're like shit if we can't raise money we'll just make money and we're actually already a business and so i'd like to see this pendulum swing back to like i don't even want to say dividends but almost dividends of like like that's what we had our conversation with the founder today it's like they're like oh what's our exit da, da, da. it's like our exit should be like we make a hundred million dollars in profit and then like are paying everyone out a hundred million dollars each year to our stakeholders who only invested 20 mil and then we're just like making a lot of money because the business is making money. Like who cares what the equity gets valued at? Like that's like a grounding, like first principles thing. Like you don't need to rely on the capital markets if you can just actually make money. And so um, I think we're kind of like VC is merging into the world of like normal businesses. And it's like the category of zero to home run is like still there, but um I don't know. I just don't get lost in the sauce about that. Like, yeah, it's interesting though. Cause like the counter argument to that would be in venture capital, you're looking like investors are looking for outsized returns, right? That are looking for 10 X outcomes. They know that it's like VC, it's typically like high risk, right? So, you know, that a lot of the businesses are going to fail their parent. There's technical market team. There's so, so many risks that the only way to make up for it is these outsized returns. Cause you, so many companies are going to fail. And although everyone thinks that every company that they invest in is going to succeed, that's just historically not the case. And I know you and I like to think differently and it's the early days of our portfolio. We're about a year and a half in, but, it, and I, I think maybe we'll have more insights over time, like going for huge hits and how does that change with more liquidity in the ecosystem? 
And how does that change when you could just build a profitable business and VCs now are just like, you know what, like, well, maybe there is a new model where it's like this business is profitable. It's not going to be scaling to a billion dollars in revenue, but you're solving a real need and it's a hundred million dollar a year business. Like maybe you just, yeah, you, like you do what you said, you take some money off the table and there's like this almost like evolution of venture capital of just building profitable businesses that solve these problems that grow maybe three X, five X in size. There might not be a, a huge exit opportunity or scale opportunity, but there's, you're, you're helping establish something that solves a need is profitable. It's operating efficiently and yeah, you can create a win for shareholders and everyone. Yeah. And it's like, if our LPs get the return, like we want to make 30% a year or whatever, 50% a year on the capital. And so whether that's one company going up a thousand X or it's five out of 10 companies going up 20 X, you know, or like, I don't know, there's just random numbers, but like, there's a, like, you can slice and dice it differently. And just cause you're a huge company already. Like when we invest in Anduril to me, that's like the perfect example of this. Like they're a little bit later stage, but like, we think the IRR can be there. We think the liquidity is sooner. Like, I don't know. And I love the idea of thinking outside the box in that way. Um, and also the the training exercise of saying, if you can't raise more VC money, can we build a business now? I think is such a healthy like thing to make founders think about. It's like, like I hate the like optimizing for the next funding round. And instead of optimizing for like uh, the business you're building. And I think that has crushed so many companies. And they talk to VCs who've never built companies like what we're saying, what's all these new VCs and celebrities, they're just going to try and get convinced people to optimize for the next funding round because then they get a markup because then their LPs are happy, blah, 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 blah. And then you have founders listening to these idiots trying to just optimize for the next VC round and it has nothing to do with their business. And then that's how we see them. So many of them fail and overextend and focus on the wrong problems. But I would say these celebrity VCs might even be better at optimizing for the business because a lot of them just bootstrapped consumer businesses on their own with their own capital, right? They're, they're, they're not used to playing this game where it's like they only survive based on marking up their startup investments to their LPs so they can continue to collect a management fee and raise funds. Like the, the whole system, like you just have to look at incentives. Incentives drives everything, right? And the incentive as a fund manager is to mark up your startup investments so you can raise a new fund, continue to be employed and get management fees. And so how is this system, like is this a sustainable system the way that it's all structured when you're incentivized as a GP to just make sure that your startups keep marking up so you can keep raising more funds. I mean, eventually the, like you need liquidity, but like in the interim, like that's like what you're in the game of doing, but does that kind of cause a, a like a negative signal when all these startups are just looking for their next funny round to mark up their, their VCs to support their LPs and not focusing on real businesses. And like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like the, the, the tail wagging the dog. Like it doesn't make sense. Like it should start with the business and then everything goes back. And I think the way that things could be helped with that is this goes all the way back to what we were saying at the beginning is more clarity from private entrepreneurs to LPs, right? And I think that would help LPs then not be so scared about if the business is going under, if it's a two X markup and things are going great, just more clarity into where the business is at, what they're trying to build, how the founders thinking about things. And if there's more communication information because of the internet, because we can make a private video, because we can go and document things and, and share things, then it creates like a more kind of ecosystem that's on the same page and can, yeah, like be better stewards of capital and businesses. Definitely. I, I was also just looking at Crocs 
And I was like thinking randomly about like if Kim Kardashian bought into Crocs, which is like a four billion market cap, and then started repping Crocs, like it could just it could turn like a forty billion dollar company. Like there's so much potential there. And I think um overall what we're getting to though is like back to kind of what you're saying is I think like the this gold rush moment is that like we're like so concerned about value crumbling in the world. Like I think everyone has gone from this mentality of like, how can I invest on offense to how can I almost preserve my wealth? And just like, is that in real estate? Like, is the dollar inflating too fast? Is it in crypto? And I keep coming back to like equity in, in companies providing valuable services and products is so like underappreciated as a way to store value in the world. And to me, like that's where I could keep all my capital. And I think Tesla is such a better store of value than the US dollar because they're like inc this incredibly valuable technology um, that's just developing at a rapid pace that's impacted, that has the potential to impact more and more people's lives and give more and more people value every day the way the technology grows. And so that's like what it comes down to. And so I think we're in this big moment of like smart people realizing that and like Kim Kardashian and all these people realizing that like equity is the way, like that's what Naval says, you know, like if you want to build wealth, you got to get equity. And so um, I think there's still like this tidal wave of people with retirement, people with cash in their bank account, people investing with some random money manager into some ETF who just like don't know where their money is. Like they work their whole life and they like don't like it's funny because I asked my aunt that I was like, she's like trying to invest in green stuff. And I'm like, so like your money manager invested your money. Like what is it invested in? Like you can't tell me like where, like who got the money? Like where did like all the money you worked your whole life go? Like who has it? Like, what are they doing with it? Like you, Most you people literally don't, don't know. know. Like they don't know. It's like, what? Like, so I think that is such a big moment of like the people who want to know and the people who are like, instead of investing in like 10 grand and some dumb like money manager thing, I want to like put a thousand dollars into 10 startups that are building really cool products that I actually use. And that's just like such a powerful mindset. And I f still feel like as much as it feels like all this VC and capital is here, like there's still way more on the sidelines that needs to come into the industry. Um, and I think like, yeah, I think of it as like crypto, like it's like a disruptive force to store a value in, in the financial world is startup equity. Yeah, I think the smarter the celebrity, the faster they're moving into VC and the more efficient they're being with their brand to get more equity out of more companies. And that's kind of like this incredible like gold rush, like I don't even want to say natural selection moment, but it kind of is of like, holy shit, you built a brand on the internet, like this is your moment to leverage that into equity and all these crazy technologies that are going to build the future and take your wealth to the next level, like who's going to do it, you know? And so I have, I have a theory that that I've been kind of thinking about is over like the last kind of boom and bust cycles, there was like a handful of companies that succeeded, right? Like in the 01 and like you had Amazon, you had Google, and then like in 08 and 09, you had the social media and sharing economy, like Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Uber, Airbnb. Um, and I think that this next wave that's going to happen over the next decade there's going to be like 10x the amount of companies that succeed and become like critical companies to like infrastructure for our, our country. And I think that it's hard. These companies are going to look nothing like these internet companies of the past. And I think that therefore the old models of the power law and the way that we're thinking about things is outdated. And we need to think about things in a new way when thinking about the type of companies that we want to back. And these companies are going to be absolutely critical to ensuring 
America can maintain like global order that the way that we've held since like the end of World War II. Because I don't, I think if we're unable to take care of our infrastructure, our energy, our like water supply, whatever it is, that we're going to lose power as a nation to and that like China, who is is funding all the like, the, ne the next frontier technologies, and it's not the like the U.S. government is going to play an active role, but I think all this capital moving in, all these players have a responsibility to ensure that we're funding the right things, the right founders are building the right things, so that we can yeah ensure that we have like a strong nation, and this this is like one of the most critical aspects of our like economy. Yeah, and it's crazy because I love what you said there, like Chris Saka, Jason Calacanis, these early wave of venture investors, it's almost like I feel like we give them too much credit for being in the right place at the right time. Maybe they were focused on it like on purpose, but they were like in the room in Silicon Valley when like the next wave of media got built. And that was Twitter. That was YouTube. That was Facebook. It was all Silicon Valley, Instagram. And it was just like this moment. And so that's why it's like like that Peter Thiel quote, like the next Mark Zuckerberg's not building Facebook. Like the next Bill Gates isn't building a, a Microsoft. Like I love, that is just so, I still think so many people never get that. Like the entire electric vehicle movement where everybody's trying to invest in the next Tesla is exactly like idiots falling for that. So I feel like right now when I see, to me, it's what's the next Silicon Valley? What's the next bubble of these people that are going to create the 10 huge startups america this american dynamism buzzword that keeps getting thrown around to me is like incredible and what you're in la and i feel like the hottest companies we're meeting with are all our deal flow right now that is like going crazy is la like hard tech like that has been such a big piece of what we're just in the market seeing and i feel like you've been crushing it on the ground like network meeting these people and we're funding them but i just get like this bubbling up feeling that like holy shit like the world's changing u.s infrastructure is ripe to be rebuilt free markets are adapting entrepreneurs have noticed this problem like they are going like crazy to build these next level like the future of american industry and it's it's so interesting that we went from software to now like this deep tech hardware that seems so ugly and boring just five years ago or 10 years ago maybe and now that's the industry where i'm like that's where the next big one's going to get built and it looks nothing like you can't even like it's like we talked about companies looking like pokemon or whatever like you can't even it looks so different from that last era but i feel like there's all these new pockets bubbling up and to me the la one is just like but i think so all before you had to be in the room where it happened, right? That's what you're saying. Like Chris Sacco was at Google. He was meeting all these other entrepreneurs and that's how he discovered these other social media platforms. But now it's happening on the media platforms that these guys funded, right? Like now, now it's happening on Twitter where you can find the best people who have the most clout, who can rally the troops around their cause, be kind of evangelists for what they're doing. So like, where's the platform to find deal flow? It's like the internet, it's the media, it's YouTube. It's, it's like where, all these social media platforms were built where all these people made money and created this ecosystem. That's, that's actually like the, like the battleground for the next like uh, phase of deal flow and of companies. And I, yeah. So I just think it's like, it's com like a completely different ecosystem when the battlegrounds on the internet and you're looking at people's like uh, thoughts, like in real time and what they're building. And it just feels like it makes the ecosystem really feel that it's in hyper change. Like everything feels like it's moving so fast. You have to be plugged in every day. Yeah. And that's honestly, that reminds me of the last plug that I'll give for HyperGuap, which is I feel like our biggest value add for founders is like, we'll do a podcast with you 
and all your VCs who you're talking to will watch it and be like, wow, this is actually really dope. And like the FOMO starts and we're helping you spread the word on the internet. And like, I just think that's huge. And I just think like the fact that not every VC has a podcast yet is ridiculous. And like the way that the word spreading and like the more transparent you are on the internet as a founder, the like, like you got to build a brand. It's like Gary Vee, like do all the podcasts. Like you should be tweeting, like you should be an influencer. Like if you're not on Twitter, you don't exist. I'm sorry. That's just the world we're in. And so like, it's crazy to see. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's funny because we're in like a recession. We're in like, you know, people are kind of, I think there's this, like this general thing that like not much is happening now, but I feel like under the surface and kind of behind the scenes, like the rate at which good companies are getting funded and the moves are happening has like not slowed down. Like the creme de la creme, all these startups who are like you were saying are leveraging Twitter and YouTube and are crushing it are like, bam, like they're getting funded. They're building this new stuff. Um, and like, I don't know. I think I kind of love the American dynamism trend because it fits so in, in line with our thesis of like capitalism correcting, markets working, um, people realizing that like the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity and uh, America neglecting and just exporting culture and being lazy and fat for 50 years. Like has like that's a huge problem that our country faces, but it's also a huge opportunity for like a tidal wave of new companies to fix it. And we're just seeing them do it. And whether it's like, you know, the culture vegetable oil or you know, blue algae dye or like new defense companies. Like those are all our investments. Like I'm like, wow, this is, they look, it's crazy how not, they all use software, but none of them are software. Like it's this trend of American dynamism, I, I think is going to be what we're going to look back on in 10 years and see as like the, what, what created the most amount of amazing, like it feels like this is happening right now in real time on Twitter. The, the smartest people I'm seeing are kind of rallying around this cry of we need to rebuild back our industrial base in America and like build the companies that can secure our future. And everyone who's working on it, like if you're plugged in, you're finding the right people, the capital is flowing to the right places. It's, it's, yeah, I feel super, super lucky to be able to like talk with these founders, invest in them, support them, tell their stories like, th th like this, this is how we're going to push our like species forward and yeah it's just super exciting yeah and i think we should end that with a plug of our own syndicate which is if you want to like get a front seat to the action you're accredited you can join on AngelList and at the link in our description and just see all the deals we're doing and invest as little as a thousand dollars in like the ground floor of this american dynamism movement in la or at least just see it it's like yeah a lot of these companies will fail maybe all of them will fail who knows what will happen but like man that's exciting especially if i was an international investor it's like damn like like that gives me like i i get stoked at the thought of being in the hyperwap syndicate just like watching all the deals and being like holy shit i can invest a thousand in this like top tier vc deal that is like that's unheard of like i couldn't have even dreamed of that type of access when i was in college but i always wanted high risk high reward cool companies that i like to invest only a grand in and now it's like here and so yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny that you talk about like international investors or like investing alongside these top funds. Like this w wasn't possible. Like if you lived in the Netherlands like a hundred years ago and there was a cool company in America, like it was impossible. Like it was so hard to invest in the company that was just getting started. You know, like it was. Yeah, you just you just couldn't do it. And nowadays, someone from the Netherlands or Australia can invest in Hyperguap, invest in like the most cutting edge companies that are being like unfolding on the internet. Like it's just a really exciting time to, to for, for innovation. Episode 10, 
so fun. I mean, we didn't even talk about a lot of other stuff, all the other moves we're making, but um, thanks everyone for tuning in. We got more founder interviews coming up. We got more content. I feel like episode 10, we're just, we're going to hit a thousand subscribers soon. I don't want to jinx it, but one step at a time. Yeah. One step no, at a time. Yeah. We're, we're doing it. It's all happening every, yeah, every day. All right. Thank you, Aiden. Thanks everyone for tuning in. See you next time. Peace. Peace.